0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Today, we're going to explore a game, like the way you'd explore Little Rock, Arkansas, in the sense that there's nothing there, and no one cares if you explore it or not. And you already know it just has, like, enough Applebee's in it that the people who live there know which one is the good Applebee's. It's Quest of the Ancients, a game that contains no quests, no ancients, and not even a good Applebee's on System Mastery. It's time for System Mastery. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by your host, John. Yay, I'm here too. John is also here. I'm going to keep doing the announcer voice until I taper off into my usual dirtbag voice. Yay, (laughs) dirtbag. I have exactly enough energy for about three minutes of announcer guy. Oh, good. Yeah, Uh, because we just got back from scenic Los Angeles, a town that sucks. Yeah. Professionally. A place that's bad. You shouldn't be there. And... (laughs) A lot of people are. Yeah, way too many people are there. Uh, even as we were driving up, we were like, well, it's like 10 in the morning on a Saturday, and we're going the opposite direction of traffic. It should be fine. And I was, you guys were saying that in the front seat, and I was like, no, not a chance. There was no mythical good time to drive through Los Angeles. <laughs> people say, oh, drive through there at like 1 in the morning on a Tuesday? Easy peep. Bullshit. <laughs> no. Then you'll just get caught in some sort of accident that's closed all but one lane. Uh huh. So it doesn't matter if it would be good. Mm -hmm. Or they close the whole freeway for some kind of like shoot for a Chevy commercial or some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... You want to see that guy that's in there whenever he has to talk to like real people, guaranteed not actors. Then that's the best way to do it—to try and drive there at night. You'll see that fucking guy. <laughs> You'll see him. Legend you would, has it you would—you would not believe the amount of cans being whipped at his head. They have to edit out of those commercials. <laughs> I probably would believe the <laughs> amount of cans being whipped at his head, having seen those commercials. I—I <laughs> I, I did. I read about those commercials. You know, you know what I'm talking about, of course, John. But for the listener, those are the commercials that play before every movie now yeah uh, where they're like oh these are real people not actors and they're gonna gush like weirdos over chevy trucks yeah we're gonna take these three people and show them a car and they're gonna go this is real sporty mm-hmm. oh this is making me dislike my own car this car has a sexy flair <laughs> this car's got good seats and i like that mm. can i have this car that kind of thing you know because it's true there there are real people but that's because actors are also real people which is weird yeah uh but it's, you know, it, 90% of the reason that they're doing that show is to try, or those commercials is to try and get their SAG cards. So, of course, they're going to try real hard to be the one who says the gushiest fucking thing and get onto the, uh, <laughs> <into> the commercial. <laughs> I would suck this car's dick if it had one. <laughs> oh, well, good news. And then he opens a panel behind them and there's a new car with a dick. <laughs> this building has a lot of giant doors in it. It's Weird. also got a lot of car dicks. <laughs> lot of car dicks here chevy we won the jd power associates for the uh, award for the most dicks attached to a single car one <laughs> uh, uh. We, we beat out the famous ford no dicks <laughs> ah the ford no dicks <laughs> the car that is, has no dicks now every other car has no dicks too but the ford no dicks has always won it for being about that yeah That's the commercials. Now, it may seem like I'm mugging an awful lot here, but that's because the book we read this week is Quest of the Ancients, uh, a book that has been reprinted in in 82, 85, and 91. And it's, it's from 82 originally. And it is, oh gosh, it might as well be 200 empty pages. It is the least useful book where even when you read a heartbreaker normally and you go through and you're like, Oh, okay, you didn't like whatever, and you made a complicated system about that. Uh I get it, and there was some sort of pet thing that you really did like, so there's got a lot more focus on that. So sometimes you'll see something that's like, oh, you were way more into the religious aspect, so there's a lot more shit about that. Usually it's the religious aspect of this book wasn't Christianity, so here we go, I fixed that for you. Yeah, yeah. And you'll have stuff where it's like, oh, weapons or armor don't work like that, but they work the way I think they do, Mm -hmm. and no one has the same opinion on that. Which paradoxically still involves a D20 being rolled. Yeah, so... This one, however, just feels like someone started from the point of view of, all right, well, I need to take D&D and strip out all the things I don't like, and then they stopped. Because <laughs> it was just that's, D&D that's, with nothing. That's fair. I can, I, I can see that. I thought the things that they were trying to replace in this one was that their their primary concern was that the fighter class didn't have a cool enough name. And so they were like, well, what if fighters instead were named after the various boring warrior types of Earth history? So if we had, like... You know the Cossack or the Saracen. Uh, Thing is, they also did that to the classic thief, where you now have rogue, uh, pick, cut person, assassin, cut purse. Damn it! Why can I? I always think pickpocket for some reason, I but it's because the pickpocket skill is the like entirety two, of <laughs> two pages of the book. Going, hey, now don't do that. Yeah, the cut purse class is. Half a page of detail about how the class works and two pages of sidebar about how you shouldn't let them pick pockets without making it a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it really felt like this guy. uh, Well, I mean, here's the actual thing. Like, if you're looking for the real, why is this a heartbreaker? This was written early enough that people were still writing D&D books like, well, D&D is popular, so I'll write that. Yeah. Uh, Well, that already exists. Push Posh, it's 1982. (laughs) No one has realized that nobody wants to buy the same thing again. There's no internet, so people can't be like putting a review on Yelp. They're like, this is just D&D with a different name. This is the worst D&D. Here you go. (laughs) So this kind of shit could still fly, but it's got kind of a Tower of Babel vibe to it to me, where you get... Imp- you start reading it, and then you speak another language? <laughs> well, no. That it feels like it was an attempt to universalize role-playing, where it was like, this is an early example of a book that's like, hey, you could use these rules to run other games. And in fact, here's a bunch of conversion details and empty charts where you can write down numbers in pencil for, for armor tra- uh, chart transfers and stuff. There's a, there's a ton of sidebars in here about how to use this boring, uninspired, nothing-going-on system to run other games if you wanted to. Yeah, and I feel like maybe that's why it was so stripped down as well. They're like, oh, we want to make it as generic as possible because then you could be like, oh, well, we'll use it for whatever other game we're playing. Except you also decided to make Cossack, Saracen, Viking, Knight, like all different unique classes. Legionnaire. Uh, it is, yeah, Uh it's like a strip down. It's an attempt to strip down D and D a little bit, uh, and then make it accessible to transfer it into other systems. If you wanted to do that, if you're like, you know, what the problem with D and D is, well, it's 1982, so we're still on first edition, and the rules don't make any sense, and they suck. But that's not the problem. The problem is I'm not making money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the, the, the I ahead. would like to please, start out. Please do start out if I if I can. If, I, would, it, I would I would like to make that. a dedication. Okay. To Miss Stevie Nicks. Oh, to Miss Stevie Nicks. Yes. uh, Of of Fleetwood Mac fame. Yeah, this author would like to dedicate this work to Miss Stevie Nicks, who was the inspiration first for the witch and all that followed. Oof. I mean, I kind of get that. I'm surprised he didn't dedicate it to her for the gypsy and all that followed, given that she also kind of has a loose interpretation of what gypsy means. To her, it just kind of means a woman in a billowy dress who spins around a lot. Yeah, hey... Uh, I know we've mentioned this on this show so many times, but uh, hey, Americans, uh, gypsy is a slur, and it doesn't just mean someone who has some wanderlust in their soul. <laughs> don't yeah, don't do it. That's a lot. A lot of Stevie Nicks song, or at least the one is pretty much what's a gypsy? Oh, it's you know a lady who has a big necklace and a big white dress. And- oh, it's someone who likes to travel yeah. and, and is a free spirit. Nope, and they swirl around in sunbeams. And nope, that's a cat. <laughs> at least in that song it's sort of just i don't know what this is and i think it's a lady who's you know spinning around all nice in this one the gypsy class is tends toward uh indeterminate or evil uh yeah, and the third sentence about them is about how they both steal things and babies. Yeah, uh, oof. The, the thing I beyond the the weird dedication to Stevie Nicks, which you know, honestly, if I were to write a role playing game, I might dedicate parts of it to Stevie Nicks. Rumors is a good album. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, right now, Rumors is a good fucking album. <laughs> <laughs> Take Rumors out for a spin sometime. It's got like eleven, so- maybe twelve songs on it, and it has twelve bangers. That's what I'm trying to get across here. Now. I do like that throughout the book they refer to this, uh, when they shorten it, instead of like QOTA mm-hmm. with the Q and the A capitalized, it's just QA. Yeah, quest agents, yeah. And I always see that as like, what quality assurance? Why are you talking about QA? This oh, book was- oh, that's this book. <laughs> this book was inspected by number four. <laughs> So I'd like to talk about the start of this book because the the other start of this book is just strength of works in the following ways. There's no there's no introduction to this like the setting or anything. It's just no it's after just, the opening, which is just like art by this person and then you know it, testing by whoever. I do it like, is a chart of at a glance stats uh-huh. and then character creation. This is what strength is. Yep, right off. It, it, it's out the gate. It, it just immediately launches into the rule system i do like though that the cover art both has the uh, the uh listing of who drew it and also names for all the characters that are present in the cover art oh not just names but also their levels Mm -hmm. such that you also have someone who is you have a 20th level witch slash bard which great you got a 30th level sorcerer which doesn't exist Mm -hmm. uh and then a 25th level witch, 20th level assassin, and again, 25, there's only 20 levels to any given class. Yes, that's correct. So, you know, just, it's like just he, nonsense. I think he was making up his own, because that's probably his campaign party, uh, but I think my favorite part of that dedication to the people on the cover of the book is that there is a dwarf pictured there, uh, he is the king of the dwarves, and his name is King Dork. Yeah, Dork, king of dwarves. Uh-huh. Now... I know there's a chance that that's just because dwarf names tend towards simplistic single syllables and so on, but I think it's going to kind of end up being like how MILF, uh, the, uh of D&D fame is just, literally just stands for male elf. Mm. That was the character's name, male elf. Uh, so... I think that's what's going on with Dork here is that someone decided to name their character Dork as a joke and then they were like, well, we'll incorporate it into the game. Fuck you, Jeremy. (laughs) You want to name your character Dork? All right, that's going right on the goddamn cover. (laughs) King Dork, we'll call him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Man, I got to say, you jump right into the character creation here and (sighs) the system doesn't tell you anything, but I do like that the fact that it jumps right into character creation and tells you nothing else means that the book is as aware as we are that nobody gives a shit about the dumb setting you made. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the setting doesn't come until about three quarters of the way through the book. Oh, more uh, than that. It's yeah. like the last twelve pages yeah. is. Oh yeah, I guess by the way, I have a continent and it's split up into you know uh, fake Egypt and fake Rome and fake Sweden. Yeah, no, it's it's atrocious. It's got you got fake Rome on one side, fake uh England on the other and down underneath fake Rome is evil asia yeah uh, it's not it's not great it's uh it's it's a bad scene my man yeah no it's uh it's boring and there's some there's some gems to be found in it there we'll get to them as we're making our way through the book I don't want to waste all the relevant stuff about this thing because there's only like i don't know five minutes worth <laughs> uh, so you get through here's the other thing you'll find about three quarters of the way through this tome uh the basic mechanic of the game you have to read forever to find out what dice you need. Yeah, that is also almost the end of the book. They're like, "Oh yeah, the the system for this." Anyway, uh, you need a D thirty. Yeah, you need D thirties to play this game. You think that that's the kind of thing you want to mention early in, in a game? Is is that you're going to need one of them obscure dice that no one has, especially in eighty two? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very weird to me. Feels like they were just. Like, oh yeah, our GM or whatever bought a D30 mm. and was like, well, I'm using it, goddammit. <laughs> and then that became the sort of default for when they were making their game, and they didn't really think about, oh, no one has this. Yeah, well, fuck you guys. This thing is 50% more granular than a, D- than a D20. Uh, <laughs> good. Finally. <laughs> more swinginess in my dice. Just what I needed. Yeah. Uh, we aren't going to find that out for forever. The first thing we find out is that this game has eight statistics. Yeah, uh, they are generally what you would expect them to be. Yeah, you get your strength, agility, mm-hmm. con, which instead of being constitution is like conditioning. Yeah, it's conditioning. Uh, I do not remember the rest of them. It's been You've a week since I've seen IQ it. you got IQ instead oh, of right, intelligence. Just IQ with a calculation in the, in the IQ section to calculate what your real world IQ would be. Ugh, my least favorite thing. Well, you know, in the very early 80s, I think people were still like, oh, yeah, IQ is a real measurement that people need for stuff. Oh, yeah, IQ is real, and it will hurt me. Mm -hmm. I should join Mensa (laughs) because my IQ is high according to a random test I took. You've got charm and appearance. Now, my favorite thing about appearance is... It is two sentences long for the description before mm-hmm. it goes on to the next, next stat. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't affect anything or give you any bonuses to any... Like strength, for example, is about a page and a half of like, oh, this is... It affects, how much m- you lift, yeah. how much you carry, yeah. How, how, what's your uh, endurance like? It modifies your, your uh, physical damage in the following way. The following, you know, it's, it's, 80, it's the early 80s, so just like in D&D, it modifies your physical damage in a very small way yeah. if you have a super high strength. No, most of the things don't really start changing stuff that you have until you reach, like, 15 out of 20. Yes. And this game uses a, generally speaking, a 5 to 20 stat array. Uh, is in An average character probably has around a, a 10 or 11 in a stat. But if you're rolling straight-up average, like if, you're, if you had a completely average character, you'd be rolling 5d4 eight times. Uh, humans who are actually the average, I believe, roll, is it 2d6 plus 12, eight times? Man, it depends on what stat you're talking about. Oh, I think humans on. have a straight line. Oh, yeah. No, humans do have a straight line. Yeah. All the other ones are just like, oh, you do this for that and that for this. Yeah, I, well, because the way it works is... It's, uh, yeah, d12 plus 8. Yeah, d12 plus 8, which means you, gra- you you generally hit around an average point. Other classes will do a, a, you know a 2d6 plus 12 instead of a d12 plus 8, so... Your maximums aren't higher, but your minimums are higher if you're a uh, if you're a race that has a, a high strength or something like that. Now, the last uh, stat is luck, and every race has a 2d6 luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no matter what you are, everyone's sort of on a level playing field for that. Yeah, and luck isn't really like a stat like the other ones. Like It, it, it doesn't really measure any... It, it, instead, it's a burnable resource. Mm. Uh, you can spend luck to re-roll things, and then, of course, you must accept the new reroll. Now... There are certain times where it will call for a luck roll. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, oh, if you're using a lance to charge someone, normally that lance would break on impact unless you pass a luck roll. Yeah, there's there's a variety of those. Now, uh, to, a roll... Also, is, it doesn't say what a luck roll means. No. It just says do a luck roll. Yeah, and what you eventually find out is you know what, what it obviously is. Roll a d30 and roll under the score that's listed. Yeah. Uh but boy, wait until you figure out how the Thaco in this system works, because it is... <laughs> I was so confused for so long, <laughs> until I finally got to the armor section in the back and was like, oh, now I get it. Even then, the way the armor system is written into this game is the most obtuse version possible. Uh, where, Well, you look at it and they're like, oh, this person is wearing no armor. They have an AR of zero. Mm-hmm. This person is wearing, like, full heavy plate. They have an AR of five. And I went, oh, okay, so the higher your uh, AR is, the better. Yeah. Cool. No. No, that's the opposite. It is the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) It's Uh, just that armor has an absorption value, Mm -hmm. whereas uh, everything else is just like, I'm harder to hit, but I don't absorb damage. Yes. Yeah. If you're not wearing any armor, then you're more nimble and you're easily able to leap away from blows. So your armor class goes up. Armor is purely damage absorption and not damage avoidance. Uh, this is one of the people who was really mad at D&D in that time period for how armor class worked, because it was a binary system where you either hit or you didn't. Well, yeah, he was like, look, armor makes you less able to move around. You should be easier to hit. Yeah, it's someone who read the D&D and was like, I am, unca- I am completely incapable of figuring out what an abstraction is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and so this, this system is clearly bullshit, because people in full plate seem to never get hit in this. Yeah, they get hit all the time. It's just that it isn't relevant, because they're in full plate. Yeah, no, it's the same people who are like, obviously HP is meat damage, yes. and if I've taken half my hit points, half of my meat should be gone. <laughs> or at least unusable. Uh, you know, like most people, where half their meat is unusable most of the time. Yeah, or me, where most of my meat is unusable most of the time. Sean has uh, has yet to unlock the superpower that some humans have of <laughs> using more than 10% of the penis. <laughs> Do you know most humans only use 10% of the penis? <laughs> I've unlocked 100%. <laughs> Uh, okay, so there, once you get through the stats, which, again, there's there each one ranges from roughly 5 to 20, uh, you're going to see the races. There are five. They are very boring. Yeah, well, you get humans, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You get elf and dwarf. You get gnome, because they didn't want halfling. Yeah, so gnome is basically the halfling of the game. And uh, you get half-elf, which they split into... Half-elf that leans elf and half-elf that leans human. That's correct. But they don't have different names. They're just half-elf that That leans. leans. Yeah, that leans elf and half-elf that leans human. And one of the other (sighs) things you're going to learn as you're reading your way through the story of this book is that half-elves are all, like, one family. Yeah, there was apparently one point where an elf princess was like, I'm going to get it on with this dude. And from then on, their family just produced Mm half-elves. Like, elf blood is so powerful that it will just override anything to make half-elves. But then again, the whole, this this elf maiden did lie with a human noble, and lo, they, they bore the following children, never happened again. Uh, so the only half-elf family is this one branching half-elf family. They're all called the Tollivers. And- yeah, and it works the same way that like the tribes of Israel do, in that yes. each one of the kids that these two had went on to form their own family Mm -hmm. and so if you're a half elf you're from one of these noble families Uh, yeah you're from i think there's 12 of them and there's 10 of them that you're allowed to be a member of because the other two were too special to the game yeah there's two that are like oh these ones are way too powerful and have an effect on the setting so you can't be from them yeah i'm like what who gives a shit (laughs) Just don't do it. Of course, this, this level of detail isn't le- lavished on any of the other playable races. They're not like, hey, by the way, if you're an elf, don't be this kind of regular old elf because they're too important. Oh, yeah. There's no point where he's like, oh, and remember, the gnomes of this area are very influential, so do not be a gnome from there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you got, like once again, human, dwarf, elf, half-elf that leads human, half-elf that leads elf, and gnome. And that's it. Yeah. Now, technically, if you were to like to play additional races, the next section is dedicated to tell you how to build them. Uh, mostly, it's layer penalties on the players until they don't want to do that anymore. Yes, because you look at... He gives you an example of going through, making two different uh, races with a couple different characters, and at the end of it, you have a furfoot and an ogre, and they are garbage. So the furfoot is basically this guy's way of passive aggressively explaining why halflings are not in this game yeah uh so he's like here's how you can build a fur foot four of his stats are going to need to just be flat two d6s instead of you know adding up to oh no that's the ogre oh the ogre's that bad okay yeah But the other one is just everything's average and then you have one bad stat and one good stat right and then the ogre gets a bunch of bad stats because strength is valued highly yeah it's like oh did you put a d6 plus 14 in strength oh well three of your other stats are just 2d6 then fuck you yeah so uh and note that a D six plus fourteen still adds up to a maximum potential of twenty. Well yeah, everything's max is twenty. Yeah. Uh so it's not like being an ogre is really worth it for all those those stats you can have that could be below the minimum that any any other class's floor would be. Well, the one nice thing is like I was saying 15 is basically the floor for a stat doing anything. That's true. You you are guaranteed that your stat, well your strength stat will do something. Yeah, the second and, you see a D6 plus 14, you're like, "Oh, at least this stat even if I roll garbage will give me something." And the other thing is that having <clears throat> excuse me, having other stats that are like super low doesn't really matter because if you're like, "Well, I'm playing an ogre and he's, you know, fiendishly ugly." I guess there's a penalty, whatever, who gives a fuck, I was already an ogre. Well, yeah, especially when you're like, oh, I put my disadvantageous stat in appearance. Yeah, that doesn't do anything, and no one cares. Yeah. Yeah, so so uh, there's a little section on how to build your own races with, you know, some very, very boring examples. Yep. Uh And now I mean, it essentially boils down to, for every advantageous thing you have, take a disadvantageous one, everything else is average. Yes. But it takes a full page two columns to break that down. Yeah, and no and you'll note when you're looking at the the included races in the game that none of them are built using those rules. No. Everyone has weird little bits where they're like, "Oh, this is plus a 12. This one is just five dice. This one's three dice plus a a small amount." Yeah whereas that one is all just uh there's one of three types that you can roll and you have to pick one. So, yeah, it's it's a, a classic old game example of this this is totally available if you want your character to suck. <clears throat> okay. And there are so many sidebars in this oh, book God, where it's there are like endless sidebars. Here's how you do a thing. Game master's option. You can always ignore this and do it this way. That would be terrible, but I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. So, after we get our way through the boring races of the game, it's time to go look at the classes. The boring classes of the game. (laughs) Uh, I mean, right off the bat, you start with Cossack, and you just have some fucking noble-looking jagoff as the picture, and you're like, I don't want to be this guy. A lot of the art in this book looks like it's accidental. It looks like he got most of the art in the book by doing that uh, Big Lebowski doodle tracing thing (laughs) uh, on just random other books until he managed to come up with some stuff that looked like medieval woodcuts. Uh, the, <laughs> the classes in this are basically a paragraph of, what is this thing? So it's like, okay, what's a Saracen? This is a Saracen. Great. Then, for almost all of them, it has race best suited for this and human. Yeah, almost everyone's human. Well, of course Cossacks are best suited to be humans. Historically, there have not been a very great deal of dwarf Cossacks. Yeah, except that, you know... Apparently, historically, a lot of cut purses have been dwarves, so I guess you can do that. Well, yeah. What the, the the point I'm trying to get across here is that if the the book class is from America or Earth history, yeah, if it's like a Cossack or a Saracen or a Gypsy or something, it almost universally is like humans should be this because you know these things existed in a real world once. Yeah, but Whereas anytime it's if you get to a shit, generic thing, it's yeah. like oh whatever. Anyone could be a woodsman, I guess. But what are you, a rogue? Yeah. Any But I have no way of envisioning what an a elf viking would look like, so humans should be vikings. <laughs> uh, the way that it lays everything out is it tells you race best suited, the place of origin best suited for their weird continent that is mostly just this is various countries that are based around the idea of one of these classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Now... In the game, you have the armor that you are allowed to use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'll tell you like, oh, you can use like light, light chainmail or leather and cloth or whatever it happens to be. Yes. Uh, and then you get weapons that you can use, and yeah. it'll give you a list. But you also only have a number of combat skill slots. To use on those. Yeah. Well, that's that's all D&D work the same way. It would give you a list of potential weapons and then say pick two, basically. But with this one, it's you can use any of the weapons in your list, but to be a primary weapon where you get like bonuses for it, you have to have picked it. Yes. So you can still use, like, oh, I've got dagger and scimitar and bow on my list. Mm-hmm. Now, I can use a bow if I don't pick it, like, if I say scimitar is my combat skill slot, and I don't pick bow, I can still shoot a bow without being at, like, whatever the minus whatever for being uh, an outside skill is. Yeah, the skill the, the penalty for shooting something that's in your category but that you don't have a skill in is reduced. But uh, you can still use it, and it's not terrible. Yeah. Uh, now, everything also has a magic items allowed... And almost all of it is broken down to fighter, trickster, or uh, magic user. Yes. Trickster is a terrible category, by the way. It basically is just anything that's not fighter or magic user. Yeah. It's... Uh, it includes shit like woodsman and merchant. Yeah, if if you decided to make a character that was like, oh, I want to be a ranger, well, you're a trickster. Really? Are you sure you Well, you know, at the time, the, the the ranger was an ill-defined class, and today, uh, it is still an ill-defined class. Yeah. It is defined by how ill it is. It's it's either overpowered in that one edition of D&D, or it's a travesty in every other edition of D&D. <laughs> uh, so after you get all that, you just see your chart of what you get per level and how much XP you need. Mm-hmm. So and every... also a maximum, because there's a lot of level caps. Oh, yeah. Uh, Depending on your character IQ and what race you are. Uh-huh. Now, when it says race suggested human, the bar for, oh, what can you be, like, what level is the restriction, it only shows for human. Like, if your IQ is 13 or less, you can only go up to level 14. Yeah. But it only shows it for human, because apparently when it says race uh, suggested, it actually means race allowed. Yeah. And now it does have a section underneath that in most of the classes for other races, but it'll, it's it's got kind of a weird formatting where it'll be like, well, the, the suggested race is human, so race human. Here's the IQ to level cap for this, and then underneath it'll be like race dwarf parentheses any, huh. and then it'll have a low you know a, a worse uh, progression grid for for other races. It says dwarf because that's like I guess the secondary recommendation or whatever. But realistically, it applies to any race that isn't the suggested race. Hmm. Uh, I, it's just weird formatting, so who knows? Now. Uh, Every single one of these is going to have a unique skill to them Mm -hmm. because this does have skills in it, but everyone has their own unique thing. In the same way that uh, back in the day, the old thief had like, you have a 15% chance to pick locks and it goes up by a 4% every level. Yes. All of the classes have that now. Yes, they do. So like the Cossack would have horsemanship. Mm -hmm. Starts at 50% goes up a D6% per level, mm-hmm. and uh, not affected by anything. So some skills will be like, oh, I have a skill that is affected by, say, strength or agility or IQ. And so you can add that bonus on, although, honestly, even at a high level, you're adding like 3%. Yeah, it's kind of pathetic. Yeah, Yes. But then you go up per level and get some stuff. Now, the horsemanship is actually sort of nice... Because it starts you out at 50%. Yeah, that's a rarity, obviously. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, a- you go on to the next class of Gladiator, and they have the ability to use nets. Mm-hmm. So Net Use is a class ability that starts at 20%. Someone read about rediari. <laughs> they also have the ability to parry, and that starts at 20%. Uh-huh. A level 1 Gladiator is just sort of... Never going to do either of these things. That, that said, you should at least try to parry every single time, because all it is is you raise your shield or whatever and don't take any damage. Yeah. It's it's an amazing ability, so it's fine that it starts at 20%. The uh, So the, the skills go up a rolled percentage. Yeah, each so time you So there is roll. a chance you'll, over a few levels, get very good, or just not. Yeah. Yeah, so it's always like a D6. Like, by level four, you'll have one character with a 23% chance to parry, and another with a 38. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, it also has special abilities. Mm -hmm. And every single one has a special ability that is if you're uh, any given character, you will gain combat skill slots so you can buy more weapons and whatnot that you can use, Mm -hmm. or you can buff a weapon that is already purchased. Yes. So if I have, you know, again, Scimitar is a skill slot. I could go ahead and say, oh, I expend my next skill slot. Instead of getting a new weapon, I'll spend it on Scimitar again and get a plus one. Yes. Uh... Everyone also gets extra attacks, though your fighter classes will generally get more. Yeah, usually starting fairly late in development as well. Uh, It's it's definitely an end goal thing. Oh, Uh, yeah. I think the first, for even the ones who get like three extra attacks, your first extra attack is like level eight. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of them it's like, oh gosh, you don't start picking these up until like level 15 or something. Yeah, I mean, if you're not one of the fighter classes... It's like, oh, what are you? I'm, you know, a wizard. I still get an extra attack, but it comes at, you know, fifteen or sixteen. Or you know, even then, what do I fucking care? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be using it. Yeah, because it's garbage. Mm-hmm. I could cast a spell. Now, <laughs> there are then the unique ones for everybody, and sometimes they are actually unique. Mm-hmm. So you'll get things like, and uh, let's say, the climb. Skill, that is a percentage-wise, is different from, like, the climb skill you would buy uh, from, like, the skill selections. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Special abilities. Two versions of climb. Uh, But that's, you know, that's the way it was in second edition, as I recall. You could buy climbing as a... Oh, yeah, uh, well, climb without the special rules for being a class is... You can climb if it would be, like, there are handholds and stuff. Yeah. But a smooth surface, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. Back in, back in like, second edition D&D, there was a, there was a climbing or mountaineering skill you could purchase, and then also thieves had the climb walls ability. Yeah. Uh, it was two different things. Uh, paradoxically, you would usually be way better just using the skill, because all you had to do was roll a d20 and roll under your stat, as opposed to the bullshit that starting thieves got. Yeah, you're like, oh, good, I've got a, what, 10% chance to climb a wall? Yeah, climb- sure. Uh, to be fair. At least, no, I think Climb was better. It was always the one that was the best of the second edition Thief classes. Well, yeah, things like Disarmed Trap, where you're like, I have 6% chance to do this. Whoopie Minus five, because I'm a dwarf. But like the uh, the Gladiator in this book, one of their special abilities that they start with is two-handed fighting. Which doesn't mean fighting with a two-handed weapon. It means fighting with a weapon in each hand. Yeah, a weapon in each hand. And, uh, you and you... that is a skill you can buy. Mm-hmm. So one of their special abilities is just a thing you could buy later. And their only other thing that isn't buy an extra uh, combat skill or get an extra attack is uh, the ability to open up their own school for gladiators. And everyone gets that. This game's got a lot of the old D&D model. Of, we're going to keep saying that because it's a heartbreaker. I apologize. Yeah. It's got the old model of of at a certain level you start attracting devoted followers or whatever uh usually it's like oh and also you need to spend this amount in weight of gold in order to build a school in which they may reside yeah and you're like oh now roll upon this chart to see what level your followers are and what their families do and you're like wait what yeah cuz some of them are fairly straightforward like if you are a gladiator you get people who want to be good at fighting and it doesn't really matter there's not a whole lot of variance there yeah but if you're a knight it'd be like oh you attract families that want to be under your banner and like follow you yeah and so now you have to figure out like all right who's the patriarch of the family how big is the family the wizard one happens twice there's a point where you start attracting apprentices well yeah you get one apprentice yeah and then you start attracting people for like your magic school yes but all of them are like, and at this point, it is expected that you'll spend 50,000 gold coins on the, on the procurement of a temple in which to teach your <laughs> students. And you're like, uh, what if I just don't, because I don't want to play city management the game. That was always sort of a weird assumption that the games had for things where they're like, oh, yeah, you got to a certain level. And at this point, we assume you're no longer an adventurer. Yeah. We assume the character retires to do whatever. Yeah, but we still need to track what they're doing, even though they're clearly going to be an NPC at this point. And it's funny because it worked different ways for different classes, like in old in D and D and what have you. You have fighters who were like, "Oh, at tenth level, you can build a keep and start attracting." Uh, oh, yeah, you start getting your warriors. own armor or then, army or whatever. But then a ranger was just like, oh, at level 12, I think it was, you, you get to roll a bunch of times on this percentage chart, and you get a bunch of, like, mermaids and sharks and tigers and shit that are following you around. <laughs> and <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to stop and teach them all how to be rangers. You just now have a bunch of pets. Yeah, it was very weird. And then, of course, the progression of that was, oh, eventually the rogue will become the the new king of thieves in the area and the druid will have to fight his way into arch druidhood. True in this game as well, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there's a few there's a few classes in this game that are, oh, you can't keep leveling unless you go beat up another guy or, or uh, get permission from a god or whatever. Yeah, and <laughs> you can also really tell the difference between shit this author cared about and stuff he did not. Oh, that's true, yeah. Because the-, the knight takes up like five goddamn pages well, of all information. This crap about chivalry and crusades and stuff. And it's like, here's an entire like page about how jousting is important and the need to have mounted combat and the way lances worked versus shields and then you'd get onto something else and it would be like, what's this? Oh, this is uh the Legionnaire. It's dude with the gladius. You know what that is. Anyway, bye. Yeah. Here's the 20 Same- 20- same thing with the assassin versus the rogue. Yeah. The the assassin has... Here's all of these pages about how an assassin is not just someone who kills people, but a spy. They don't need to just murder folks, although one of their special abilities is backstab, basically. Yeah, they, are, they don't need to murder folks, but they are quite good at murdering folks, if you were curious. But they're mostly spies and stealthy people. And the rogue... I don't know. I guess he has a dagger or something. Doesn't matter. The rogue, like we said earlier, and it's amazing, uh, the rogue is... About a a third of a page of a of a ch- chart for levels one through twenty, and then they're like, "Oh, at this level you get a skill bonus. At this level you get a a, a, st- a, a weapon bonus, and you know the, the the progression of the of the rogue skills, which are things like pickpockets and climb walls and stuff." Then a full page and a half, like the rest of his two page segment, is dedicated to the uh, the DM guide to how to stop them from picking pockets. Yeah, the cut purse. Is sorry the cut purse my yeah. bad the rogue is actually one of the few things in here notably that does not have a special skill yeah it's just a nothing it's it is just... it is a class that he was like nobody picked this what does rogue mean rogue means your average goon yeah. to him it's what's this guy oh the idiot with a club that is a leg breaker for the local guy yeah and you're yeah, like that's just, what a, a rogue is just some guy. Uh a cut purse, on the other hand, is what I was describing earlier, with a page and a half of the of the uh, guide for the DM that's like, hey, your players may want to pickpocket things if they are a cut purse, because it's in the name, you know, it's a person who takes purses. Now, uh, we know that nothing is worse for a GM than a player who wants to take someone's money in the middle of a game, and you haven't prepared for it. Yeah, it's like, this is the dumbest thing to have to stop your game and adjudicate. What this game should be about is jousting. <laughs> Yeah. Jousting, I say. It's weird because the way he presents it is like, oh, it would be fine if this was an NPC that you had fully statted up and knew what was going on and were prepared for them to have their pocket picked. But... To just say that your pickpocket takes money out of nowhere? Why? How would you even know who it was that he pickpocketed? That's important. Yeah, it would just be some faceless spook from the crowd. You could just say if your character dedicates a day to picking pockets, he generates a D8 gold pieces. Done. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? Why, why are we doing this? But no, instead... It has to be like, oh, nothing could be worse, and you, and you simply must put a stop to it. And here's how. First of all, you can't simply pick a random pocket. Every, the, every cut person needs to plan his pockets to be picked. And that takes casing, which means even if he wants to pick a single pocket, he could spend upwards of eight hours simply standing on a dock, watching a single target and getting ready to pick their pocket. And that all. Oh, will, no, you wouldn't be watching a single target. Finding a target, sure. You would be waiting for the correct opportunity. Because well, even the, if you saw a rich person, maybe they're. Got guards around them. Perhaps their purse is not advantageously located. You'll have to move on. Yeah, they're very alert. This won't do. Uh, but here's the problem. Even after spending eight plus hours casing a place to find a person whose pockets you pick, you then have to randomly roll after you've tried to pick their pocket to see who they are. Because you don't determine that by oh, watching them. No. what There is an entire page of charts, mm-hmm. and it is... All right, roll on this. See how many hours, because the best situation is you spend an hour waiting. Yeah. The worst being eight hours. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be like, all right, now I'm going to go pick this guy's pocket. And the GM sits there and secretly rolls and is like, ha ha ha, I have managed to roll that this dude is a level 15 uh, woodsman or a necromancer. Uh, The problem with those charts is that they make it hilariously unlikely that the pocket you pick will be of some mook. Yeah, the there's two different charts of granularity. And one like, of them is just optional. That's that's the only difference. There's no reason to roll one instead of the other. You just choose one. Sort well, of I mean, there is one reason, which is that the first chart that isn't a very granular, you decide each class, you just say, you find a trickster, you find a fighter, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one has about a 50% chance of it being a normal citizen. Yeah, a peasant or what have you. Now, if you break it down into like, all right, instead of just saying a fighter, we have to know, are you picking the bucket of a Cossack, a Saracen, a Viking, a Legionnaire, whatever, when it has all of the classes there, there's about a 20% chance of it being a normal citizen. Yeah, yeah, there's two 10% blocks that are given over to normal citizen. The rest is people with class levels, and the class levels are intentionally uh, prohibitively high. Now, the weird thing for me is there's another chart for what level they are. You Mm -hmm. find out what they are, and then you find out the level. And it says you would roll this even for regular citizens, not because they are that level, but because that is representing how alert they are. Uh So you could still end up rolling like, what is this? A normal citizen. Oh, but they're resisting you like a level 15 character would yeah. because they're heightenedly aware of people picking pockets so here's the other problem this generates this creates a situation where when you go out and case the the town to, to pick pockets you keep finding high level people and how many high level people were there going to be in this hamburg that you're, that you're hanging out into pick pockets well you have to assume if there's a person that's like especially when you start talking 10th level or above because that's the point when every class starts attracting MOOCs and you get your own school and whatnot. If you're in some town, That would be a person you know, and you wouldn't pick their pocket. Yeah, they'd be be like, like, oh, yeah, that's the leader of the fucking necromancer school. Obviously, I don't go pick his pocket. That's a local luminary. But it does create a kind of sub-game that you could play with the class if you wanted to, which is if you knew that your town was soon to be going to war or to be invaded, you could simply go out into the streets and pick pockets for a few days, thus generating dozens of random high-level adventurers who apparently live in your town. Yeah. I mean, the low end of what you roll is a one to five level person, mm-hmm. but most of the, your stuff is going to be sixth level or above. So you're just generating dudes out of nowhere Yeah. where it's like, yeah, every time I went to go pick a pocket, it kept turning out to be like some seventh level cut purse as well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, but hey, while well, you're here, hey, now that you live in the town, that's great. Cause here comes some go- kobolds or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cause all you have to do is be like. Well, okay, I, I have cased the joint, and I found a guy. What is he? Well, he's a 12th-level necromancer. Wonderful. I do not pick his pocket. I just <laughs> I, I, I will continue on. I just wanted to know that there was a 12th-level necromancer in town. How wonderful of you to let me know. <laughs> uh, uh, the other classes, the, the fighting man classes, break down into the, the simple ones like Knight and Legionnaire, uh, Cossack, Viking, Saracen, uh, and well, Gladiator. The tricksters are mostly what you would call the professions in other uh, other games, the ones that aren't even really classes. You've got the rogue cut purse assassin, uh, you've got the merchant and the woodsman. Yeah. And then the magic user classes are, uh, oh boy, you've got the sorcerer, <laughs> the druid, the necromancer, and the gypsy. Yeah. Now... Oh, and the earth priest, which is a special type of priest for dwarves. It's basically, you're the cleric, but you're a dwarf. Yes. Now... The problem with the gypsy class in this is it's broken down by sex. Uh-huh. It is either male or female. For the male, you're basically a shitty mishmash of all of the, like, rogue cut purse types. Uh-huh. Because all of your percentage for the, your skills are lower than you would be if you were just one of those classes, and you do have the assassin blow, but it's like half as effective as an assassin. You also get to pick one skill from any other class at all, and have that as well. Yeah, you get to say, oh, but also I have parry. Uh, be- okay. Because I have worldly experience, or whatever. I've been around, because that's what this means. Now, a female gypsy, also known as a halaka, is a special kind of witch, uh, who only cast spells that enchant people or help you steal things from people. Or tell the future. Or tell the future. Because all of them know how to divine things using the tarot cards. Now, the, uh, the halaka is pretty much the bard of the game, like, once you cut it down to it. Well, but I mean, it's there usually, is a bard. Yeah, but it's usually evil, uh, and, you know, it's just a bad guy class. Well, it's your classic witch. Yeah. Because it's... Which also witches in the game. Yeah, witches in the game, but the halaka is more of a witch than the witches because yeah. the halaka is all, what is this? Oh, it's curses. It's setting things so people have bad luck. You've got, like, I make people sick. I make little, like, uh, dolls of people so that I can control their actions. It's basically any dark magic thing from any sort of story is put into them, which... Great, good job. It's it's one of the problems with using real world terminology because even D anD D did this bullshit, but at least they applied a thin coat of Vistani cover, colored paint. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, they're not the they're not gypsy Roma people. They're Vistani, and what a coincidence! They tend to go around from country to country in, in covered wagons and tell people's futures. <laughs> what do you know? Uh, the <laughs> there's several very weird things in here as far as. Like, for the bard uh, that exists in this, it's mostly just a spellcaster, mm-hmm. but you have to have, instead of, uh, like, weapon skill slots like other people have, you have that for instruments. Yes, and spells are keyed to individual instruments. Yeah, so you're like, oh, if I want to play this spell, it says specifically a, a wind instrument. Mm-hmm. But if I want to play this spell, it's specifically percussion. There's a sidebar that says you don't have to do that because it would be silly for so many bards to carry around a dozen musical instruments, but then it finishes the sidebar by pointing out that it is not recommended that you lift this restriction as it is very flavorful. Yeah, it was like, oh, well, that just means that your bard should specialize in a type of magic that uses the instruments that he uses. It doesn't matter if there's a spell he likes. That said, the fact that if your character... Because these spells all cast over a combat round, so they're just combat spells... Uh, if your bard wants to take, you know, his musical instrument slots and apply them to two, you have a guy who's in the in the middle of combat is playing a fife, and he's like, "Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on." He puts it away and slings the drum up forwards. Watch, check out this number. Yeah, I mean, you may as well just have a bard that's a one man band contraption, and he's like, "Hold <laughs> on, I got something for this. All my spells are to Susa numbers. <laughs> Be kind to your web footed friends." Uh, the <laughs> the uh, the thing for that also has a note where you're like oh you could pick the voice as being a thing you can use and then every time you re-pick it you can say that it counts as another instrument mm-hmm. so you're like oh it starts out and maybe your voice is the same as trying to use a like a wind instrument but now i guess you learned to beatbox and you've got percussion <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, I actually kind of prefer that, because, uh, you know... Well, yeah, but that's one of those sidebar, I suppose you're allowed to do this. Yeah. So, the classes that get a little more restrictive at high level include the druid, where there's only, like, one guy anywhere in the world who's the high-level druid, yeah. uh, and the witch is probably the most restrictive. In this game, the witch is basically the elf wizard, uh, for some reason, and it it goes on and on about the... Primary queen of witches, and the primary lieutenant of the queen of witches. <laughs> Uh, who are both impossibly beautiful, as I'm sure you well, can obviously. imagine. Uh, but that's the only stat it really wants to tell you about. It's like, oh yeah, you can't be a 20th level witch. There's only one 20th level witch, the lieutenant of the Queen of Witches. The, the Witch Queen herself is level 25. Which oh yeah, because those, those are the motherfuckers on the cover of this book. Yeah. Uh, you, so you can't be these because my NPCs are already those. Yeah. So good you know, job, great. Get, get fucked. Uh, <laughs> Fuck and, it, off. And, Destroy and, my setting if you want to be level 20. Yeah. And rest assured, by the way, uh, dear dear reader. That my uh, NPCs are super hot, so if you were curious about whether or not they had big old witch titties, uh, worry no longer. Yeah, no, my uh, my witch queen is definitely a big titty goth girlfriend, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't re- you can't get the level 20 in this game because the level 20 witch is in Canada. She's a model. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't know her. <laughs> Last time she was here, she was kind of sick, so we didn't go out. <laughs> we didn't go out because we were too busy having sex in my room. Uh. How many times should I have butt sex with my witch queen girlfriend? (laughs) God damn it. (sighs) Oh, and uh, every class has its own spell list, except for the wizard. Uh, The wizard has the base spell list, and then everyone else gets the wizard spell list, plus their own. Yeah, and some, uh, like, pick and choose a little bit. Like, the bard is mostly uh, their own sort of thing, as well as, like, the witch has almost entirely their own spell list. Mm -hmm. And then other spellcasters are like... Oh, yeah. I pick, like, maybe three per level. Yeah. And yeah. the the level, it changes depending on what you are. Some cast up to, like, a level five. Some cast up to level seven. Uh, and the difficulty for, like, resisting them is usually just based on whatever the spell is level-wise. And also how long it takes to cast is just the level of the spell, unless it says it casts longer or shorter, now, I would love to tell you about the magic system in this game because it's you know the, the, there's like John was saying there's a bunch of stuff that determines the casting. The spell list is scattered throughout the book because each class has its own spell list and then yeah, the wizard. it's just kinda... right after the class. Yeah, uh, I, and I kept reading through them trying to find like one kind of interesting example spell to give <laughs> you, and there isn't any. The spells are boring. The, none of them are especially. A lot of them are crappy, and also the levels that you gain them at feel exceedingly arbitrary. The, one of the biggest problems in it is that you'll find, oh, this is a third-level spell. What does it do? Oh, it opens a portal to the dark dimensions, and anyone who's within 30 feet of it is sucked to their immediate death. No saving throw. This is a fifth-level spell. What does it do? Oh, 2d6 points of cold damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> the actual way that it breaks down is very weird, because there's stuff like, oh, what is this? It is a fifth-level spell, and it it's the puppet spell, and I make a... Pop it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck. And you make just, like, a little dude, and it runs around and does stuff for you, and it has, like, no damage it can deal, mm-hmm. and it can't do anything, it can't lift anything, it's completely fucking useless, it's mostly there to be creepy, and it's a fifth level spell, whereas the other fifth level spells are things like, oh, I curse a town with boils, and you like, what the, what... Cursing a town with boils, by the way, is the kind of spell you get when you when you want your game to have realistic magic from Earth history. Yes. And not, you know, useful game stuff. Yeah, no, because any PC who's like, oh, and I, uh, I'll i get the spell that lets me inflict a town with boils, and he's like, oh, well, I see that you are evil. Uh, good people will be trying to kill you. Great. All right. Well, what if I'm justified in doing so? Like, what if I'm Moses? <laughs> Oh, well, that's fine then. Okay, great. Glad to hear it. But the good people of Egypt will be trying to kill you. That's true. But aren't <laughs> they the bad people of Egypt? No, we're using 80s alignment. <laughs> <laughs> where, where like Gygax, for example, specifically said that Custer was lawful good and the natives he was genociding were chaotic evil. Oof. That is, yeah. That's Oof. An, that's an old take. Hey, by the way, if you're still like Gary Gygax was a visionary, Nope. fuck that guy in fact (laughs) fuck pretty much everyone who wrote a game in the 80s (laughs) unless they're still alive and they've apologized yeah yeah and even then eh. (laughs) (laughs) no but the the spells in that are also not just i need it to be like oh this is a thing that was in real world but it also feels very much the same way that like oh at level 11 you gain 47 followers it's like, if I don't include this spell in here, an NPC couldn't do it. Like, as if he said, oh, this oh, town yeah. is afflicted with boils. Someone would be like, there's no spell for that. How they do that? That's, that's bullshit. That's stupid. That's stupid and bullshit. Why can't I have that spell? <laughs> yep. It's reactionary design. It's design that exists to make sure that you wall off any potential arguments from your players. Because, Lord knows, you can't just fucking talk to them. Also, man, the way magic works in this... Is very annoying because fancy, in but with a bunch of twists. Well, the big problem is none of your spells are chosen mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, that's true. It's you start off, you roll randomly to see what spells you get mm-hmm. because what it gives you the spell list chart. It also has a. Uh, 1 to 100 percentage for every level of spells and they're like oh yeah when you get level one you get three spells roll percentage to see which three you get and every time you get new spells unless you happen to find like a book that has a specific one you just roll randomly when you level up too which is so bad if you're a bard who's like oh i'm specializing in percussion because it told me i should do that yeah oops all my spells are woodwinds well, even if that even then you'd be like, Alright, well I guess when I get gain another weapon point, I'll put it in woodwinds. The real problem is when you get six spells and each one's using a different kind of instrument. Exactly. It's uh it's bad and it means that you just never know what kind of character you're going to be able to make because you can pick the class that's like, Oh, they have more say, enchantment-type spells, and that's kind of what I want to play. But if you roll up the damage spells for that class, even if they're like, oh, they have 15 different spells and two of them are damage, I rolled those two. Well, I I guess I'm an attack wizard now? I didn't want to do that. Yeah, well, too bad. You play what the dice tell you you play. Yeah. Uh, oh, so. the good old, you will be what is randomly determined and mm. you'll like it. Yeah, I've I, ever. I mean, we've talked a million. There's so many episodes at this point, John. Uh, have you ever played a game where they made you like roll to determine your gender? Uh no, I have. I've played that game where it's a fifty-one forty-nine percent chance because someone checked the world population at the moment uh. and was like, "Yeah, that." The fact that the world is fifty-one percent women right now probably translates directly to a medieval fantasy world where there's orcs. Uh. Like, I don't see any reason why there wouldn't be no parallels or correlations. Ugh. Uh, speaking of which, uh, if, there's, if there's one... By the way, uh, the game's FACO system is... You assume the, the the hardest possible roll is... You have to roll uh, a... Tr- the easiest possible roll is to hit someone on a 22 or less on a D30. That's a person who is wearing heavy armor and is, is slow and weak and, and and difficult. And then it gets harder from there. Yeah. Uh, so the, that's, that's the FACO zero point. There's uh, a different calculation for characters or monsters Uh uh-huh oh because monsters are assumed to be better at hitting people than players are and to make up for the imbalance of the fact that players can choose stuff yeah which they can't players get way more power than monsters do and i'm like that's horseshit yeah uh but the (laughs) the way it works is you look at a uh five plus two because instead of saying numbers just go up to whatever they should be mm-hmm. he was like oh the whole system works zero to five but what happens if i have a penalty like past five? Oh, well then we just start saying plus one plus two yeah so if you have the worst agility penalty which is a plus two to your armor mm-hmm. and you're we- wearing the heaviest armor which means you've got a five then instead of being seven you're five plus two yes and if you've got no armor on and you're at a zero but you've got a bonus to it, then you'd be considered zero minus three. Yes, that's correct. Uh, So it is extremely obtuse, uh, but at least it kind of makes sense. it's just they go with a D30 uh, and armor class being set as having a parentheses you have to track as well as the other things. Honestly, once you get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm dealing with whatever, and then I have to parentheses say the plus or minus on it, I'm like, dude, just make it numbers. Don't don't say there's five plus two just say seven it no one's gonna come to your house and stop you. Being in trouble is a fake idea, my dude. <laughs> so one of the things that that you start noticing when you're making your way through the book is that a lot of the classes just are Earth things, Cossacks and what have you. And so you're thinking to yourself, well, is this just set on Earth? Well, no, it's set on the mythical planet of Jewel, where there's only one huge continent that anyone knows about. There's probably more, and that continent is called Islay, and Islay is divided up into a proto Europe, a sort of Europe, a sort of. Uh, Arabia, a sort of evil China, a, yeah. a sort of Sweden, uh, and then you know that that kind of ma- a lot of people do that. I think that's what Pathfinder is basically too. You got you got what's this? Oh, it's basically revolutionary France. And what about this one? Oh, it's uh, it's darkest. The, it's the most racist Africa. Yeah, it's darkest Africa, and was so racist that we went ahead and put a gorilla in charge. Because <laughs> uh, that's not racist because he's not a black guy. He's a gorilla. God damn it, guys! Can't you just grow up for even a second? <laughs> What's his name? Oh, it's it's uh, Bongo. No, okay. You know what? It's not. It's well, something else. Yeah, it's Mandingo. Yeah, so, it's, it's King M'Baku or something like that. But anyway, no, wait, hold on. That's from Black Panther. Wait a minute. Uh, okay, hold on. I can do this. No, I, I don't even need to. Fuck Galorian. Uh there are little earth things that squirt their way into the game, beyond just Cossacks and whatnot. Oh, guy. yeah. There's a there's a few little earth things that squirt their way, if you know what I mean. So let's talk, just very briefly, about one of my very favorite things that I found in this book, which <laughs> is which is e- the not Egypt that the game has in it. Uh, name to be discussed later, because I don't r- remember. The only one I remember is Torrentia, the fake Europe. Well, yeah. There's, like, I think eight different countries or whatever, and all of them are just like Ashel V... Ascrencia, Nazal, so you got, Dorbach. Yeah, you got, okay, so Hawkrath, Land of Shadows, which is just, you know, evil Asia. Uh, Andor, which is just Rome. Krella. oh no, Krella's Rome. Andor is Switzerland, or Sweden. And, and Terencia, which is Europe. But there's, a, there's an Egypt. It's called, uh, I think, Nazal. Yep. Uh, so Nazal is basically an evil Egypt. Uh, it's got, you know, undead mummies and liches and what have you. Uh, It mentions that the people who live there worship a series of gods who were inspired by, but not actually uh, Egyptian gods. So you've got like, oh, I'm Shosh. I'm the god of knowledge. but (laughs) I'm Shush. (laughs) Uh, But instead of having an Ibex or an Ibis head, I have an Ibex head. You know, that kind of thing. But then at the end of the paragraph, it goes, oh, but certain cultists in this world still worship the old gods, such as Bastet and Anubis and Seth. And I'm like, wait, hold on. The old gods are just the Earth-Egypt gods? What, yeah. Is, is this, this Earth? Oh. Is this is this a post-apocalypse? Are we doing like a is this Ralph like, Bakshi's wizards thing? What, yeah, let's go- have we gone so far into the future that now we've gone right back around? Yeah, is it a Thundar the Barbarian? Well, I mean, it's cute that he calls them the old gods, like the old original gods or whatever, but the implication is that... Egypt's gods are present here in Nazal on the planet of Jewel, and that they were like, they used to be the relevant ones. Yeah, it, it's weird, especially when you're dealing with a, uh, a place where you're like, oh, and also dudes that pray can actually have powers. Yeah. So at that point, you're like, okay, but does that... Are you saying that, like, maybe did the Egyptian gods also come to this planet? Are we dealing with a Stargate here? It might be a Stargate situation. Is this some kind of Stargate? <laughs> Let's check in with James Spader. Uh, no. No, it's, I don't know. <laughs> Why would I know that? I mean, it was just in the movie. Why are you even asking me? Did you see my hair in that movie, by the way? It was glorious. Get out. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Yeah, that to me that that's like wait what 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 happened what's what what just happened and then it happens again later they mention the Norse gods for the Swedish setting as well and to me I was like oh so this is establishing that this is like a Thundar the Barbarian set- setting and I kind of got excited for a second and then I was like hold on I'm doing this game shitty work for it yeah instead of establishing an actual setting it has maybe ten pages of information about the world. And almost all of it is. This is where this class comes from. They generally believe in whatever. This is their sort of society. Moving on. Yeah. And you're like, you've sort of had an idea in there, maybe, but you are doing none of the work. Yeah. When I was like, ooh, is this built on the ruins of a of a, of a prehistoric Earth? Wait, hold on. No, it's just dumb. And I'm trying as hard as I can to find interesting things by making them up. <laughs> Uh, the book also has some magic items in it. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a pretty complex list of who can use what magic item. The magic items suffer from kind of a a lack of rules. They'll say interesting things that they do, but then not what that means in game terms. Well, yeah, not only is it every time you get items, you have to roll randomly on the chart. So you might have a party that's like, what's this? Oh, we've got, you know a sorcerer, and a cut purse, and a knight, and a whatever, and then you roll, and it says, oh, this is a witch item that you got. And you're like, oh, God damn it!" God damn okay, it. fine. I guess it's the Henan of Ladena. Oh, by the way, one last thing I wanted to mention about the spells, is you remember in old D&D how there were all these like cool spells that had evocative names from wizards and like Gygax's and Arneson's old campaigns? You had, like, Old Luke and Melf and Bigby and Tasha and, yeah. and all that. In this book, there's one. Uh, the elf witch queen Lirazel, who apparently made up three quarters of the spells all by herself. Of course. Uh, they just constantly mention her every single time. There's never anyone else's name at the start of a spell. It's always Lirazel's spinning top. L- Lirazel's weird fan. Man, I really have to assume that Lirazel was the DMPC. Yeah. Yeah, the witch queen Lirazel, uh, which I'm sure was definitely not named right after he watched Willow. <laughs> Definitely not a chance that's what happened. Uh, I, the only thing that's making me say that with any kind of sarcasm is because I don't remember what year Willow came out. I'm... 85 I'm, I'm believing it's after 82, because this does also have fairy acorns as one of the magic items, y- but it doesn't turn people to stone. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If, it was, if this was using Willow as an inspirational source, it would have them turn people to stone. Also, the gnomes would be called pecs. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so that's fair. No, that's a derogatory term. And this book wouldn't use those. What's the actual term for what they're called? Daikinis? No, Daikinis are the tall people. Yeah. I can't remember what the actual, what pecs are. <laughs> the derogatory term. For, uh, what are they called? They're, they have a name, I'm sure. Yeah, they're, uh, what are those? Gelflings? Yeah, they're Gelflings. <laughs> tra, 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 Trandoshans, I think is what. Ah, yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a trend. Uh, Hufflepuffs. Ah, a whole group of Hufflepuffs. Mm-hmm. I mean,. When you get right down to it, the people of that that village in the Willow universe might as well be Hufflepuffs. Oh no, really? They spend all their time like bustling chickens around to each other. Oh yes, it's a farm life for me. No, no. one ever goes anywhere or does anything. Now, Cut is obviously a Slytherin. Well, yeah, because he's a dick. <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. That's his only. He could also just be a Hufflepuff who's a dick. I mean, it's true. John, Hufflepuffs can be dicks. I, I hate to be the one to tell you That's this. That's not true. It, it can, That's it, impossible. <laughs> Search your feelings, Hufflepuff. You know it to be true. <laughs> uh, dicks can come from every house except Pukwudgie. D- dicks can come from all angles. <laughs> Sometimes dicks can match you fast. <laughs> I'm gonna keep mugging because I'm pretty sure you're looking up the name of the species. Oh, you're goddamn right, I am. Okay. I have to remember what it is. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! But no, I don't think this book is based on Willow. It's just a—it's a coincidence that Lee Razell kind of sounds like Finn Razell. That's all. Finn Razell. Yeah. Was that just popping back into your head? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. A... I didn't understand why you were saying that. I was like, what? Yeah, Finn Razell. Because I—I uh, I I haven't seen Willow in forever. Nelwyn. Nelwyn. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, so let's get down to the end of this, John, cuz I'm bored and I didn't like this book. <laughs> what would you say is your favorite thing about Quest of the Ancients? Uh, I guess honestly, my favorite thing is that it just gets down to business to uh, defeat is, the Huns. Yeah, I, there aren't it, any Huns that you can be. Uh, yeah. As no, a the, class. No, the closest you can be is uh I guess Saracen, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Maybe a Cossack. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's got horsemanship. It does. It does. Uh, okay, so you're saying your favorite thing is just that the book kind of goes, strength, and then there's no, like, no. lead in. There's no section. This book does not have a section about what an RPG is. Yeah, no. This book gets right down to what it's doing. It isn't like hey if this is your first time picking up a book like this let me tell you a little something it's like no dude if you picked up quest of the ancients it's because you're a huge goddamn nerd strength let me tell you what it does yeah you bought this mail order out of the back of a magazine that's the only way that this book is in your hands right now yeah Uh, i like that it doesn't have to give me 40 pages of timeline about his bullshit setting that no one gives a crap about yeah you're right that's absolutely true his setting gets down to business and knocks it out in the last 10 pages or so uh, so that's that's fair. Yeah, that's going to be my favorite thing. What about you? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple of bullshit things that aren't actually parts of the game because uh, I I don't because you want to cheat. I want to cheat. Uh, I think my favorite thing in this book is the part at the back where it says they're looking to hire. <laughs> uh, there's there's a section on the last page of the book. that's like we're looking for a few good writers. If you would like to write for our product, please send us two dollars to Unicorn Game Publications. Uh, I, I could list this address, I guess. I'm not sure if it still exists I mean, it, or not. Uh, it's going to be somewhere. Uh, Box four two eight four Fresno California. So, if you want to write for these folks, you have to send them two dollars to be sent their authors kit. Yeah, and it says it's okay if. you And want then to you'll write... have to draw a picture of a turtle and a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most gaming talent lies not with famous game designers, but in the everyday GM. Yeah, that's where it all lies, as you can tell from all of these heartbreakers. So you need not be a professional, nor must you be a creative writing major, but you do <laughs> nor need to must have you be good. You do need to have good ideas. Our current needs are for people to write scenarios for module anthologies and perhaps to design full-length game aids describing the natures and cultures of Islay, cuz Lord knows I didn't want to. Yeah. I had the very barest bones of an idea and I would like someone else to write for it. Payment is available exclusively on a royalty basis. Huh, fair enough. That's what we get. That, that's what our book pays in. Mm. Uh, and then also, I love this line on the very back of the book, the opening of, because it's got a little blurb about, you know, like hyping it up on the back. Looking for the best sword and sorcery product of the 1990s, this may be it. It may be. It isn't, though. <laughs> it isn't even from the 90s. <laughs> it's just reprinted in the 90s. Uh, but there you have it. Uh I think those things are my favorite part of this book. Is is I I haven't seen a book before that just straight up said, "Hey, write for this. Uh, send us." Hey, two- we don't know what we're doing. Please send us two dollars. Uh, what would you say is your least favorite thing? My least favorite thing in this has to be the point where you're already like eighty percent of the way through before it tells you, "Oh, by the way, this is a D30 based system, and our armor and weapon rules are all fucking stupid and." Like, the combat system is hidden so far in the back, and it's actually very tiny of a section. Yes. Like, combat is maybe four pages, and that's it. That's right. And it just feels like they didn't want to let you know that they were using a D30 up front so that you might buy the book and then realize you fucked up later. There is a section back there with a chart for translating a D30 to a D20 or switching your game into percentile if you would prefer to play it with a more advanced system. Ugh. Uh, or, and also, a, a if you would like to use this engine to play D&D, here's how you translate its armor classes to our armor classes. And there's a little grid you have to fill out yourself yeah, it doesn't tell you what that is. It just says, oh, we'll just make it equivalent to ours. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. What the... what? <sighs> so if you're wondering if this book has four pages on combat, part of which is dedicated to an empty chart that you fill out in pencil, yes, Ugh. it is the worst. I hate, because it feels so deceptive to be like, yeah, we're going to hide the fact that this is D30 in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and just screw over people. That Yeah, this. imagine you buy this thing at a, at a game store in 82 and you take it home all excited to try out the new game. And you're like, wait, I need the only I need a, the weirdest die that's regularly available. And no one has, especially because you're like, oh, I'm going to flip through the classes real quick. And you're the type of grog who's like, finally, Saracen available at last this is what i wanted mm-hmm. i'll take this book good sir I- and you see that the skills in percentage base so you go oh well it uses normal type dice good and then you see it has a d30 and you're like you fuck uh, Now i must of course express some disappointment that it doesn't contain charlemagne's paladins the hussar or the hoplite <laughs> <laughs> well of course the hussar would just be under knight. oh that's fair you got me there also where's the samurai <laughs> Most noble of classes, who uses the katana, finest of all sorts. Well, you see, our Asia is only evil, but <laughs> samurai were noble warriors. We're still waiting for someone to pay us $2 to write the, the, the samurai. The good, j- the Japan to evil China. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Okay. So my least favorite thing in this game is going to be that, you know, there's a gypsy class in it that steals babies. Thank you. Uh-huh. Just wanted to make, really make sure you knew that that was in there. Got to really drive that home. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't. <laughs> Fucking do it! Looking for the finest gaming product of the '90s? It's got baby stealing gypsies in it. Uh, it just—it's a pet peeve of mine. Certain pet peeve. It's—it is—it is also because I—I I know several Roma people mm-hmm. who are like, "Oh my god, Americans, please stop being stupid about this." Yeah, and so it's one of those things that is very present in my mind whenever i see that Mm -hmm. anyway i almost kind of wish i had said that my favorite thing in this book was the dedication to stevie nicks because i get (laughs) because i I, get i get it (laughs) because stevie nicks can get it Uh, because the landslide brought me down too brother (laughs) brother (laughs) and when the landslide brings you down uh uh, yeah, uh, so that's my least favorite thing in this book, because it's horrible. And honestly, I could easily extend it to the fact that I hate it when games have classes that are just, like, medieval warrior types. It's, like it's especially ge- bad when you go, oh, here are all of these, uh, real-world things. Also, a necromancer and a sorcerer, You're like... What? Don't... Ah, come on. They try to sell... On the back of the book, they try to sell it. We have eight different fighter professions in this book. That's why you should buy it. Eight whole fighter professions. We have Cossack, Gladiator, Knight, Legionnaire, Rogue, Saracen, Viking, and Woodsman. And you're like, uh, none of those sound like they're going to be all that different. Uh, It turns out that Viking just gets to be the barbarian. They have the bloodlust power. Except you can only do it... Once per day until level five, and then you can do it at will. But you also have to roll on a chart to see if you just start murdering your friends. There's a there's a magic item in the game. The uh, the it's called the hannon of Ladena, and it's a witch hat that you can throw to make an air elemental. Uh, also store a bunch of stuff in it if you want to play as an old fashioned witch because it literally is the tall crooked witch hat. Yeah, it's a big pointy witch hat that mm-hmm. you can pull a rabbit out of if you need to. Yes. Uh, it has a rule in it that says uh, you can only use the ability to summon an air elemental with this hat uh, once between each pairing of full moons. And to me, that impl- the My first question was, "Oh, okay. So, what's the moon of Jewel like? Does it is it exactly the same as Earth's moon? What a coincidence!" Yeah. Also, man, a lot of those magic items are like, and you may only use this once every three weeks. And you're like, what? This doesn't even do anything good. <laughs> This can tell you if a gnome is telling you a riddle. <laughs> Only used once every seventy-eight hours. What? What? Why? <laughs> this can let you fall with the agility of a cat, provided you don't fall more than like forty feet or so. Okay. okay but cats can fall farther than forty. Shut up, you. Shut up. You're not a cat. Fuck off. <laughs> I want the magic item to work in such a fashion where people who get it think, oh, good, now I can fall long distances. And then I make them fall longer distances because I am the true asshole an 80s DM. Yeah, and the every 10 feet damage beyond 40 is just like, oh, and you take a grip of damage like more than any weapon would do ever. yes. Uh, boy, we didn't even tell them how hit points work in this game. They're a combination of two of your stats. You got SDC and you got yeah. the HP. Well, you got body damage, stamina damage, and hit points. And the, the hit points is a combination of both body and stamina damage. Uh, and certain weapons will target one or the other. Uh, and you can't go down to zero in either of them or else you go unconscious or die. Uh, so it's mostly like, oh, you get a lot of hit points, but there are two kinds of them. Well, stamina is your... Oh, I'm I'm getting hit, but I'm not actually really taking damage. Yeah, you can get knocked Whereas unconscious with it. I think it is. Your your body is your straight up meat. It's like, oh yeah, if you start taking body damage, you're you're gonna get wrecked real quick. Yeah, so definitely don't under underestimate the importance of body damage. <laughs> yeah, you get extra stamina per level, so you'll have more like time between taking body damage mm-hmm. as you go up in level, but body damage is set at level one and never changes. That's correct. Uh, would you play this game, John? Oh, fuck no. All right. This is the worst. There's no class in here that sparked any interest in me. Yeah. So you, I assume? No, this was like reading a bag. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm going to say it's, it's like, like reading read- a bag. It's like reading a Ziploc bag full of mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's interesting. I'm specifically saying a Ziploc bag because a jar of mayonnaise has like product information on it. No. The Ziploc bag, however, you can look at it. Maybe it says Ziploc on it somewhere. and That's about it. Mm-hmm. So no, I would not play this game, and there you have it. Can't recommend it. Thank you so much for listening to our review of this old game that I don't necessarily recommend. Uh, if you would like to support what we do here on this show, you can do that by going to Patreon.com/systemmastery. That's right. You go to Patreon.com/systemmastery. You give us a dollar or more. A dollar. A dollar, and you can join us on our journey as we are about to make characters in this boring bullshit game that is an amazing deal for a single dollar i mean that's the amount of money most people would pay to get their dick slapped (laughs) jeff would you slap my dick of course john oh thank god for a dollar no Uh, okay. So for, yeah, for a buck, you get our bonus content, which usually happens twice a month. There are additional levels at two and five that unlock yet more shows. There are seven bonus podcasts a month that are made by us. If you need something to listen to while you're at work, we have you covered. Yeah, we, we got it. We got it. We get you. We're like Arby's, except instead of meats, it's podcast material, but they're both terrible. And if you're a long-term fan of ours, then stop by our Etsy store and buy our pins and dice, because we need to make back the money we spent on getting them made in the first place. Yeah, we got books. We got dice. We got pins. Yeah, we make all kinds of stuff. It's a franchise now. We've turned into a tiny little bad franchise, and we want you to be a part of it. We're we're tiny, we're shitty, and we want you to also be. (laughs) So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in a few weeks with yet more content. Until then, you have a good one.